You're listening to OK So Tell Me About, the podcast for the curious and lazy. Hi, I'm Jack. I'm Niati. And a happy 2021. Welcome to a brand new year where everything is fixed. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely, including doing the podcast again yes, uh, that, that, after a long hiatus. That was a minor glitch in the Matrix in yeah. 2020. <laughs> uh, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, I suppose we had other projects on the go. I decided to start a food blog. Indeed. So as a quick plug, how can folks access your new food blog? Well, it's online at www.slapdashcooking.com on a website my husband very kindly built for me. <laughs> it's also on Instagram at slapdash.cooking, which uh, is equally fun. So check both of those out be very impressed and feedback. Yes, please do. And in other news, while we were busy not doing the podcast, um, I believe another married couple decided to launch their own podcast, rival podcast, to our own. Yeah, so that means we now have beef with Harry and Meghan. Yes. And Harry and Meghan being, I don't even know what their titles are anymore, but you know, the royal dudes who, you know, triggered Megxit, etc. Those guys. (laughs) Of R12 Audio, or whatever they're calling themselves. Anyway, listeners of this podcast know we did it first. We obviously pioneered the concept of a podcast hosted by a married couple. All those other podcasts like Shag Married Avoid, you can just ignore those. Those didn't exist. We pioneered it. Exactly, precisely. And I believe Harry and Meghan weren't even the biggest celebrity thing to happen over the past year as one of your favourite artists released two albums. Who's that? I did. Was it um a Taylor Taylor something? Taylor something. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was it. So tell me about Taylor Swift. So Taylor Swift. Little known fact about me: minor obsession with Taylor Swift. <laughs> Some people may or may not know this. My parents definitely in the category of those who do know this because I grew up screaming her country hits at the top of my lungs as I wandered through the house. I cannot sing, so it was a terrible experience for them, and Taylor Swift is forever burned into their memories for that reason. But everybody else, I probably did not shout about my Taylor Swift obsession all that much until this year when she released Folklore and Evermore and became cool again, which is wonderful. So now I can be out and proud (laughs) as a Swifty. I'm like hardcore, I'm hardcore obsessed in some ways, but then also not so I wouldn't say I'm 100% a Swifty you know but I do try like I try (laughs) with some of my spare time (laughs) I think you follow a lot of the drama on Twitter and Instagram as opposed to writing it yourself Oh, yeah. Like, I don't document it. I don't have a secret Taylor Swift fan blog or something. But I do... I mean, that's like me with the Kardashians, for example. I've never watched an episode, but followed all of the drama. So that's not saying all that much. But I just do quite like Taylor Swift. I think I've always been... Like, growing up, I was the stereotypical Taylor Swift fan. And you'd imagine that to be, like, a basic white girl mm-hmm. somewhere in the south of America. But that was obviously not me <laughs> sitting in a high school in Qatar. But somehow I just was. <laughs> like teardrops on my guitar? Yes. Could I play the guitar? No. <laughs> Did I identify deeply with the sadness? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Did I have a boyfriend to cry over breaking up with? No. But I still loved it. Um, so I can't really explain my obsession, but let's just say it's been there for a while, right? It's, it's there. But 
this year, because she, when she released Folklore and collaborated with Aaron Dester from The National, I was finally able to go full-blown crazy Swift fan at mm. home because The National is one of your favourite bands. Yeah, absolutely. So finally, our two musical tastes collided. Neatly aligned, yes. In this fantastical year where we could just sit at home and listen to the album like 20 million times, which okay. is great. But my music taste is really quite far removed from your music taste. My iTunes is all of Taylor Swift's albums and then a few random songs I've picked up from TV show soundtracks. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so your your music collection and is Taylor Swift. Yeah. Pretty much, like pretty much and all other kinds of like trash. It's not the Taylor Swift music is trash, let's just establish that. <laughs> so that's like my big disclaimer at the start of this uh, recording that I am definitely minorly obsessed. I think that's well understood. <laughs> yeah. You may proceed. <laughs> so naturally, the story of Taylor Swift cannot start without a brief walk through her origin story. Woohoo! Yes, so let's do a brief history of Taylor Swift. Taylor Allison Swift was born in Pennsylvania on December 13, 1989, where she grew up until the age of 14 when she moved to Nashville, Tennessee, to begin her career as a country music star. She then released the lead single of her very first album in 2006, Our Song, which became her breakout hit, making her the youngest person to single-handedly write and sing a number one song on the chart. With 157 weeks on the Billboard 200 by December 2009, her first album was the longest charting album of the 2000s decade, and it only got bigger from there, and her subsequent albums have all continued to shatter world records with each release. There you go. You will see that I didn't bother to name out the world records because honestly, there are just too many. And it's like a little bit boring because wow. <laughs> you're like, ah, oh, most like a charting single of whatever or like highest sales of female artists in this decade. And they're really specific mm. world records as well. I just think like that's a bit ridiculous. But anyway, safe to assume she's just broken a lot of records, right? You get the chance. Understood, yeah. But I thought... So I was reading through like some things about Taylor Swift's history and origin story I knew because I, and this is probably not a cool brag, but I knew about Taylor Swift from her very first, that's the song I mentioned, Our Song, from her very first album, which was called Taylor Swift. That was a proper country song. And I knew her from then, which was 2006, a long time ago, which is really strange because I didn't really listen to country music at all. And I have my high school um, childhood best friend, Alpha Huko, to blame for that because she introduced me to her one day in a media studies class. And here we are. But anyway, at that time, I got fully obsessed and like, so it was still early on in her career, so still kind of new things. And now it's been many, many years after that. But I thought it was quite interesting looking back at how she grew to fame to kind of just go through how exactly she got there. Because I'm assuming you don't know very much about that. Literally nothing, no. Literally nothing. Literally nothing. <laughs> yeah. I did give you a very brief history. <laughs> so she, she moved to Nashville. <laughs> that part, you know. <laughs> I know that. So between Nashville and folklore, there yeah. is a uh, gaping blank. Yes, indeed. So what I thought was kind of interesting about how she got her big break is a mixture of things. Like part of it is very cool Hollywood, like serendipity and like, you know, hustle and work hard, broke through and made it because of her own talent kind of thing. And then some of it is like, ah, oh, you come from a very privileged background. How lucky for you. So I think it's quite interesting to look at both sides of that and see how both have worked together to help her become the star that she is. Let's take the Hollywood side first, right? I say Hollywood. I don't know why I'm describing it the as Disney Hollywood. The Disney side. <laughs> yeah, like the magical, romantic idea of fame, yeah. right? So the story kind of starts at age 11. That's when she decided she wanted to be 
a singer or a performer of some kind. So it was still quite broad at the time. She hadn't narrowed down like country music. She wanted to just do music. She would drive to Nashville with her mom to hand out CD recordings of her covering Dolly Parton songs and the Dixie Chicks. And it was just like covers of these songs. And she kept getting rejected because obviously Nashville, heart of country music, they were like, well, there's a million people trying to make it and you are 11. <laughs> like, this is not interesting. So she didn't really get very far. But then by the age of 12, just a year later, a computer repairman and local musician taught her how to play the guitar and helped her start writing her own songs for the first time, which, as we now know, has become her signature. So eventually at age 14, she played for a Sony-owned RCA Records showcase, which I assume is just like this, where artists just come in and play their music. Label executives kind of decide if they want them or not. And she got signed onto a development deal. So that at age 14 was kind of her first break into the industry. Which is quite cool. So that's the kind of like cool, romantic, like how did she get there? Like, you know, a computer, a local computer repairman taught her to play guitar. It's like, we've been watching Queen's Gambit. <laughs> it's, it's literally... It's literally Queen's Gambit, but yeah. with a guitar instead of a chess set. Yeah. yeah, it's incredible. It's like, that's very cool. So she gets a development deal, which is essentially like the record label keeping you on, seeing what you do, and then deciding at some point whether they want to actually sign you as an artist. So they kept her in, in development until the end of the year and told her that essentially they wanted to keep her in development until she was 18 and see how she grew and then potentially sign her. And she decided she wasn't waiting around for that because she was not going to wait until she was 18. She wanted to be famous now. <laughs> so she quit. She quit her first record label at age 15. Like, how, how does that even happen? Anyway, she walked away, was like, I can do better. And then she went to an industry showcase at the Bluebird Cafe. I don't know if you're familiar with Bluebird Cafe, but in kind of country music lore, Bluebird Cafe is like where all the greats have been discovered. And it's a small little cafe, but that's like where all the country music icons have played. So she performed there at an industry showcase and she met someone called Scott Borchetta, who had just left Universal Records to start his own company, Big Machine Records. And he wanted to sign her as his very first artist. And she, at 15, decided, yes, I'm going to take a risk because I've just walked away from Sony Records. And I'm just going to try it. And so she actually signed on with him and she produced her next six albums with him. So that was a lucky break for him and for her. Yeah, absolutely. Which is incredible. So all that sounds really dreamlike. Right? Yeah, yeah. Very cool. But then in the background, <laughs> much more interesting. How has that all been fueled? So there's a lot of privilege that enabled Taylor Swift to have those kinds of opportunities, right? Obviously, a lot of it was talent as well. But initially, her both her parents worked in finance. They had careers, long careers in finance. Her mom quit to, to, to be a homemaker and her dad continued to work for a large bank in, in the US. And they bought and owned a Christmas tree farm for women's clients in Pennsylvania, which is where she originally grew up. So you know, fairly affluent. And then in order to actually help her pursue her dreams from Pennsylvania, they were kind of paying for lessons in New York and like an agent who would give her advice and create like progress your career and that kind of stuff from New York. And then they decided to actually move to Nashville when she decided she wanted to be a country music singer. They relocated the entire family to Nashville. Did they relocate the Christmas tree farm? No. Oh. That's it. Why? What? <laughs> I'm sorry, this is very serious business here. We're talking about an entire family moving to Nashville for Taylor Swift. Who was, at that point, what, 12, 14? 14. Wow, 14. okay, fair enough. Um, fair enough. They'd missed the Christmas tree farm, so that was a blow. Yeah, but then their daughter would become famous and a multi-multi-millionaire, so like, that's Fair fine. play. Um, so yeah, so her father transferred to like the national office of his bank, and they moved there, had a wonderful 
house and everything. And when she actually got signed for the first time with Scott Borchetta, her father bought a 3% stake in the company for about $120,000 at the time. Jeez, Which, you know, great decision in the end because A, was kind of supporting and financing his daughter's success and hoping that, you know, mm-hmm. it would become something. But also great investment for his future because now he owns 3% of a company that owns six Taylor Swift albums. <laughs> Like, well done you. Good choice. Like, that gamble really paid off. But he also clearly had $120,000 sitting there. Yeah, just to throw around. Yeah, great. Well, throw around. Invest wisely. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so that's a little snapshot of the mix of privileged talent and sheer ambition and willpower that got Taylor Swift to arguably the top of a commercial music career. Wow, that's amazing. So so part of it was her talent and the... And her drive as a 14-year-old. Yeah. Like, as a 14-year-old, I did not have many... I mean, I had some ideas of what I wanted to do. But none of them are true. Like, none of them stayed true. Yeah. Rarely do you have a clear idea of what you want to do at the age of 14. Although I suppose in other cases, you do have a good idea, but it just doesn't come to fruition because there aren't the resources to immediately... Mm-hmm hit the ground running with it, which I suppose is where she has been lucky by her family circumstances. Yeah, and the chose to support her. Like, yeah. I don't know how many parents would look at their 14-year-old kid playing the guitar and singing and be like, you know what? Particularly <laughs> she is... wrote a song. I think this could be it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I wrote poetry when I was little. <laughs> no one thought, I mean, I didn't think I was going to do anything with that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's, it's unusual that all of that combines to actually go somewhere. Particularly as she will have only... What, learned the guitar two years prior and learned it, like, from a local... local, Well, uh, computer repairman and local musician. Okay. I don't know how that works. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, but, you know, that's how he's described. (laughs) Maybe maybe he taught some computer repair as well so that she had something to fall back on if the the guitar playing didn't uh, didn't work out. But anyway, yeah, so that's that's Taylor Swift. That's how she got her start. And then, like I said, I'm not going to go into all her records and etc. That's just boring. But she has released nine albums. Um, and this isn't the quiz portion of the podcast. But do you have any idea what they are? Obviously, you know, Folklore and Evermore from today. I, I know those, uh, yeah. Today, from this year. Yeah. She started off with Taylor Swift in 2006. As I mentioned before, that was her, like, eponymous. Mm. I can never know how to say that word. Yeah, I think you got it first time. Nailed it. That was her eponymous debut album, as they say, Taylor Swift. And then in two years, 2008, she followed up with Fearless, which I think is the best album ever. Um, Speak Now in 2010, another banging album. (laughs) And then... 2012, which was Red, and I think that's kind of when she became, like, she was pretty famous by then. Right. Love Story was probably in Fearless, which is a few mm-hmm. albums ago, and I think that's, like, the most famous Taylor Swift song everyone knows. That's probably the only Taylor Swift song you knew. Yes, uh, well, that was when I, had, that was played on the radio, and that's when I first heard of Taylor Swift. Um, yeah, and you're like, that's terrible. That, it was, <laughs> uh, yeah, never, ever, 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 ever get Getting back, back together. together. Mm. That was a beautiful rendition. You're all welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so that was Red, I believe, right. that iconic bop from 2012. <laughs> and then two years later, 2014, 1989, which was her first official pop album. So she did four kind of solid country albums, rocking at the top of all country charts. And it was quite a big deal because, first of all, there's not a lot of successful female country artists. And at that time, there weren't many. There was many like, you know, Shania Twain and Reba McIntyre, all these people who were famous in the past, like icons, legends, etc. But there was not a lot of like young, modern, cool for country music artists. 
it wasn't just country music fans listening to her country music, you know, it was quite right. broad. So that was really widely recognized in country music. And she kind of like finished country music, <laughs> so to speak, you know, she kind of nailed it. 100% country Yeah, music. she like well leveled done. up. She was like, yeah. I'm done. I have finished this yeah. genre. And so she did pop from 1989 onwards. And then Reputation was in 2017, which, meh, but you know, it was an album and still broke all the records, right? Like mm. it, whatever. They're all like a bare minimal level of successful anyway. Yeah. And then Lover in 2019, which was also great. And I was going to accidentally give you a little spoiler there that would give you the answer for one of the later quizzes, but caught myself. Well, well We're done. good. Well We're done. good. And then 2020, this year saw two albums, Booklore and Evermore. So there you go. That's you the go. suite of nine albums. And every single album after her very first one, the, the one in 2006, every single one of those after that has sold over a million copies in its first week. Wow. That's phenomenal. Very impressive considering the, the declining sales of full mm. albums over time as well. But yeah, definitely. Nailed it. And then also fun fact, to complete the kind of picture of Taylor Swift for you, not only has she established herself as a singer, she also tried her hand at acting. I can't say she was extremely successful, but she has had bit parts or a bit more than bit parts in several film and TV endeavors. Oh, fantastic. Give me some of those. So she very famously played a teenage murderer in CSI New York. Oh, wow. With dark wig and everything. It was shocking. Phenomenal. Shocking. She also played some weird cheerleader character in Valentine's Day in 2010. Can't say much more than that. That was what it was. (laughs) She did a voice acting role in The Lorax. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. We watched that recently. Very good. And she also acted in The Giver, which I know next to nothing about. So can't tell you more than that. And she was also, unfortunately, played a role in Cats. Oh, in yes, 2019. of course. Yes, I saw the answer for that. As some kind of singer person. Yeah. Um, cat, or as some singer kind cat. of cat, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and she also wrote a song for the musical. For the doomed. Yes, so it was all yeah. very unfortunate. <laughs> so yes, like I say, short-lived, not spectacular, not particularly noteworthy, mm. but she tried a few times. <laughs> Maybe stick to the day job. Indeed. So, as we wrap up on that bit, what do you think? Have I have I filled in the picture of Taylor Swift for you enough that you have kind of learnt something about the personality I behind the persona, so. you know? I think so. I mean, I certainly know where she's come from and where she's coming from. That's deep. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, she's clearly been very successful and that's been off the back of Clearly quite a lot of hard work. So now are you converted to a Swifty? Should I put you down on the list? I think I would have to listen a bit more to some of her non-2020 music before I committed wholeheartedly to Let's not do Swift that. fandom. <laughs> Let's <laughs> not do that because that would turn the dial in the opposite direction. <laughs> Right, okay. So let's wrap up with a quick quiz. And as you know, we always try to give them a kind of fun name. So this one is the Taylor Test. Question one. How many homes does Taylor Swift own? Oh. And I'm not giving you any options here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, my newfound knowledge of Taylor Swift in 2020 means that I know that she, from one of the songs off Folklore, she bought a house on Rhode Island. Is that correct? That is correct. So I know that she owns one house. (laughs) Congrats. That is correct. Uh, (laughs) But I'm guessing 
the from the question that she maybe owns a yeah. few more. Let, let me just say that she's a real estate mogul. Oh wow! Okay. She has multiple properties. It's just Jeez. how many. Right. Well, I've also seen videos of some of the recordings stuff for folklores mm -hmm. and that seemed to be in a sort of flat or something relatively pokey i doubt that was her rhode island mansion mm -hmm. so i say she, she at least owns two properties and you say she's a mogul so yes. i'm going to times that by five and say that she's got ten so ten houses well no she's got eight eight well <laughs> close <I> mean... enough <laughs> You thought you were being funny with 10, but it was unfortunately pretty close. Yeah, so she owns eight properties. I'm not wow. going to list out all of them because can't be bothered. But multiple different types. Some are for herself, some are just investments, some are for ones for her parents, stuff like that. And she has them in like different cities because she... Are they all in America? Of, yes, all in America. Mm -hmm. Anyway, but I thought you might be interested in one particular property. So in February 2014, she purchased two penthouses in Tribeca, New York City, which she combined to create one large 8,309 square foot condo with 10 bedrooms and 10 bathrooms. Jesus. Taylor paid 20 million dollars for it all and it was previously owned by which celebrity which I, I'm calling out this fact because I think you might be interested in it. Which celebrity? Um, Let's say a famous director. Famous director. Right, how many directors do I know? Um, Let's cut to the chase. It was Peter Jackson. Peter Jackson. Peter of, Jackson. Of Lord of the Rings fame. Exactly. Wow, so Taylor that Swift is now exciting. owns now owns his old apartments and he owned both as well. Oh, he owned both as well, I was going yeah, to say. Yeah, they just owned them separately, I assume, to buy them. Question two. How many of the nine albums that Taylor Swift has released are actually owned by her? Well, we spoke about that. What was that guy called? The big Scott machine? Scott Borchetta. Scott Borchetta. Borchetta or Porchetta? Borchetta. Borchetta. <laughs> yeah. Not Brisketta. No. So he, the first... Did you say six or seven? That's the point of the question. <laughs> oh gosh, right. So I'm going to say six for him. Mm -hmm. So he owns the first six with his with his dad, her dad pitching in 3%. Yeah. And so she owns the remaining three. That is correct. Oh. She owns only Folklore, Evermore and Lover. Very good. And she is now currently re-recording her original six albums so that she can own those masters. Gosh, um, music rights are a messy business. Indeed, even for someone as famous and powerful as Taylor Swift. Question number three, last question. I'm ready. The Guinness World Records confirmed that Folklore had achieved the most day one streams of an album on Spotify by a female artist. How many times had it been streamed? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, wait, I can give you some options then. Yeah, go for it. 23.2 million. Oh, wow, this is more than I'd anticipated. <laughs> 107.8 million or 80.6 million. Oof, I'm going to plump the middle one, 80.6. That is correct. Oh, sure wow. guesswork. <laughs> I was probably going to guess like a, 12, a, tenth, a tenth of that, yeah. yeah. Also, I said that was the last question, but bonus last question oh, for nice. fun. In 2016, Calvin Harris and Rihanna released This Is What You Came For that infamously was written by Taylor Swift under a pseudonym. What was that pseudonym? And you have three options here. Neil Stoberg, Stevie Windberg, or Eric Selberg? I'm going to be childish and crass and go for Stevie Windberg. Sounds, <laughs> sounds the funniest. <laughs> Unfortunately, that was not the choice. Oh, it was Niels Sjöberg. I'm probably saying that wrong. It's S-J-O-B-E-R-G. However you say that. Swedish, mm. apparently. 
But there you go. Very good. So well done on your Taylor test. Yeah. I think bad. I think you got All one the, yeah. correct. <laughs> yeah. Oh but no, I got two correct. No, the, my first question was how many homes does Taylor Swift oh, own? I didn't get that. No. Yeah. Which was the tough one to yeah. be fair. But there we go. Very good. What was the favorite thing you learned about Taylor Swift on this podcast? First of all, the fact that she bought a house from Peter Jackson is pretty cool. Two houses. Two from houses Peter from Peter Jackson, which became one. Mm-hmm. Mm, like, mind blown. <laughs> um, that her parents owned a Christmas tree farm that they then had to abandon in order to go to Nashville. Like I don't know if they abandoned it. They probably sold it for a lot of money. <laughs> which probably then went into investments in uh, in her music. But uh, that's there's a there's a sad story there, I'm sure. Of well, like... there's in fact a song there. Oh, is there? Yes, there. Taylor Swift released a Christmas song last year called Christmas Tree Farm oh. about the Christmas tree farm. Fantastic. <laughs> Fantastic. So go give that a listen. I, I shall. That, that shall start my Taylor Swift musical... Conversion. Conversion, yes, absolutely. Christmas tree farms the way in, I think. Well, there we go. I hope that was vaguely interesting and useful for the rest of you listening. And go and stream Taylor Swift songs. Thanks for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you like us, please give us a review and a rating at Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this episode. You can follow us on Twitter at OKSoTellMe and subscribe to our podcast so you receive the next episode automatically. Until then, keep it curious, keep it lazy, and we'll see you next time. It's time to go